1: Hello and welcome to Mind Rolling once again. I'm David Silver along with
0: Raghu Marcus. Hi, Dave. Another Hi, day, Roger. another dollar.
1: Another well, no dollar, but another day. No dollar. Um, do we want to start Other with a commercial?
0: <laughs> <laughs> we we were just talking before we got on, folks. We were we were going. All right. Well, you know, let's just be loosey goosey here. See, you know, I mean, we're we're like uh, not. Uh, Neophytes, how many have we we've done of these? I mean, it's over is, a year.
1: This is the fifty seventh.
0: Geez, that's a lot of talking
1: it about is. God it knows is. what. I, you know, I don't remember too many of them. I mean, I remember I remember odd moments when people, you know, didn't want to answer our question for some reason. But it's always negative what you remember. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Anyway, it's good to be back. It's for those of you listening. Um, we're doing this on a, a Sunday. Uh, and there is no snow on the East Coast for the first time in in memory.
0: Look out your window.
1: There's um, snow uh, where you are. Maybe not here. It's oh, really? Quite, it's melted already. Uh-huh. Okay. You know, it's a great relief because I have to leave the house at some point. Not that I don't like walking through snow and stuff, but you know, when you're driving, which I will be later, it's it's right. it's nothing but a drag.
0: Yes. Anyway, we're yes. we're
1: happy that, um, you know, we're coming up to uh, spring, which is my birthday, actually. And we're only a few weeks away from that. And spring is always great, which is why people like me so much.
0: Because when they have a happy birthday with you, they're feeling good
1: again. The Vertical Equinox is just right there. Oh, that's terrific. Everybody likes, you know. Um, so how have you been? Oh, that's too—nobody gives a shit how I've been, okay? Uh, (laughs) Well, I haven't spoken to you for at least, I don't know, 45 minutes. (laughs) Something must have changed in that time.
0: Yes. You know, everybody, because of doing this mind-rolling stuff, David and I uh, are—I mean, we do other work together as well, but this causes us every week we have to be— here now with each other and talk and okay, what are we going to talk about? You know, so we go through that whole thing. What? What he? Here's what I saw. Something that was so. Uh, in one way, it's so very cool because it recalls up this fantastic movie from, from the past, and in another way, it's a bit horrifying because of the truths that are there in it. It's called Still Mad as Hell, and it's of course a reference to Network. Where the character Howard Beale yells out the window, I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take this anymore. And so it was written by Patty Chayefsky, right? Uh, you're familiar, of course, David.
1: I am. I, he was a, like you, a Canadian, was he not?
0: That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah another brilliant Canadian. The finest minds come from Canada. Look, uh, Leonard yeah. Cohn being. Neil Young. Yeah, Tony yeah. Mitchell. Yeah. I mean, writers, I mean, incredible writers. So, but that's not what this is about. No. Um, the first, so he, the imagining is that, uh you know, he died in, I think, 81. So uh, the imagining in this little piece is about, what if he got together at the Carnegie Deli, which I don't think exists anymore, right? I don't think the Carnegie, Carnegie Deli is there near not Carnegie sure. Hall. And um, I thought I, I saw it closed. Uh, and um, just, you know, he, maybe you'd he hang out with Mel Brooks. Uh, I could see him with Larry David. Can you see this scene? And they, yeah. you know, and so they sit around. And the first question that would be asked would be um, what, what, would you, what do you think about Kim Kardashian, Patty? What do you think of that phenomenon related? So you need to, I need you to give us a little synopsis of the movie network
1: well you know it's a long time since i saw it raga but it was um... a really special film in its time because it was about television and it fitted the time you know of television being basically bogus and phony and annoying and uh, you know displaying a, a paradigm of reality in society which is completely mm. false all that and it, the the famous part of it is when um... the lead protagonist you know, just screams out the, the window, as Roger said, you know, I'm mad as hell. And, and he's saying, really, I just can't take this anymore. And he was part of the system, you know, and uh, it's such a rare thing that happens in that particular system that anybody jumps out of it Some have, uh, because they suspect that things are just crazy and, and they don't want to be part of it. Dylan Radigan, who some of you might know, um, I don't a, know. Dylan Radigan had a four o'clock show on MSNBC for years, and he came from the CNBC family, which is a financial network, Mm. and he was a a student of the banks and of banking. And about five years ago, he started to do rants every single day, which I loved, about the inequities created by the banks and some of the incredible liberties they took with people's money. And he did this for a long time, and then, I, I don't know, he says he left um but i suspect he was pushed out. i don't know because he was so completely on the ball you know and he was literally ranting every day about the fact that nobody was doing anything about these terrible assaults upon you know normal ordinary american middle class and working class people whereby they were losing 401ks they were losing their money their money was being invested in bogus and awful uh derivatives derivatives exactly and you know, the wolf of Wall Street was chewing up everybody's money, so um, Dylan did it, but then he left and now he's doing other things. I noticed he was on Bill Maher this week as a guest, which was oh, really? great. And yeah, he's terrific and a, a, a great guy. And because he was part of that banking community, he really knew what he was talking about. But he's the only one I can think of offhand. I mean, I know that um, you know, Keith Oberman uh, has moved from network to network because of his uh way of talking, and now he's back to doing sports. He was a great sports guy, yeah. by the way. Yeah. And a lot of people were very annoyed by Keith Over, not by his, so much by his opinions, they were annoyed by that, but they were also annoyed by the, his manner, which was one of intense anger and resentment and outrage and in, indignation. Yeah. Um, but apart from those two guys, I don't know too many who've, you know. I Norman
0: mean, uh, Howard Beals out there. There aren't too
1: many Howard Beals. Howard there. Beal, that's the name, Rago, Howard Beal. Was the name of the the, the character mm-hmm. in Network? What would Chayefsky have said about the Kardashians? Well, you know, he probably would have been very satirical about it. Um, people are very hooked on this stuff, not just the Kardashians, but all this stuff. And it's all about vicarious thrills, really. You know, and it started with the real world on on MTV, and then with the uh, the Osbournes when uh, Ozzy Osbourne and his family you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> displayed their whole life. And I love that show, actually. I thought it was very funny because of the people involved. Yeah. But now it's sprouted into this kind of monster. And, um, you know, the question is, you know, are we, uh, are we a, a culture of total emptiness in the sense that we don't encourage uh, the celebrity, celebritification of great scientists, teachers, philosophers, and so forth, and that people don't want to hear about any of that? They really would rather hear, even with politics. They'd rather hear about Ted Cruz than, than uh, Joe Biden, mm. uh, or, or you know, it's sensationalism, and it keeps people watching. And we're in the grip of this paradigm, which says that ratings are all. I would hope that the generation that's like six generations behind us uh, is no longer interested in television, and we'll just go to the internet and make choices well, for themselves. That's happening. That's happening.
0: Yeah. Do you want to hear what uh, Chayefsky himself said? Categorized later. Uh, about his masterpiece. He said it was a rage against the dehumanization of people addicted to boring, killing, boredom killing devices. A dehumanization that has gone to warp speed as we have now entered the cloud. That was the writer, of course, commenting on that. But addicted to boredom, the, a rage against the dehumanization of people addicted to boredom killing devices. I mean, so here's some of the. So this is some of the. Uh, and by the way, this oh, it's Maureen Dowd. It's Maureen Dowd, who's a famous uh, commenter in the New York Times, right? Yeah. Uh, Washington. Um, so here are some of the other things. What would Patty have thought about Diane Sawyer showing cat videos on the ABC Evening News? Right. <laughs> what well, what what would he say about Brian Williams broadcasting? on the Huntley Brinkley Network, NBC, a video of a pig saving a baby goat while admitting he had no idea if it was phony. It was. Uh, uh, What would Patty rant about the viral, often venomous world of the Internet, Twitter, and cable news, where fake rage is all the rage, all the time, bleeding over into a Congress that chooses antagonism over accomplishment? no over yes. What would he think of ominous corporate synergy run amuck, where news seamlessly blends into promotion where it's frighteningly, frighteningly easy for corporate commercial interests to dictate editorial content, right? I mean, mm. are these, you know, so completely, absolutely, you know, bullseye? Uh, w- w- uh, what would he make of former Time Inc. editor in chief Norman Perlstein returning in a new position as Time Inc's chief content officer, breaking the firewall between editorial and business as he works with business and edit teams to drive the development of new content experiences and products throughout our portfolio that will fuel future revenue growth. Which was the quote from him. Um, what would he think of the? unholy alliance between Internet giants like Google and Facebook and the U.S. national security apparatus, right? Um, anyhow, so th- those are some of just a few of the different points that uh, that she is like zeroing in on related to, boy, if, if he was mad as hell then, he'd be way more mad as hell now. I mean, so to the extent of the changes that have happened from the, that time, which is what, mid-'70s, right? The, yeah. the, from there to uh, these kinds of effects that are taking place uh, in, a, in a way more widespread way um, are pretty staggering when you, when you think about
1: it. They are, and I, I completely agree. And you know, Maureen Dowd is a very perceptive woman, the only thing I would say to sort of slightly um, you know positivize that is that it's kind of uh, it's bifurcated in the sense that the internet sure has a lot of rage on it and really bad stuff. But it also has opened up, it's democratized to some extent, the dissemination of, of news that's important, for instance, uh, GMOs, Fukushima, gay rights. Uh, these things are hammered constantly. On the social media, and I have to think that a lot of the ways in which congre- con- you know congressional people work is what it, what are their constituents want, you know, and to some extent, I think it has changed things. When now we find that 67 percent of Republican people uh, under 25, I think, are totally in favor of gay marriage and the legalization of that, um, and so. I think that, you know, I, I mean, I'm not usually this much of a positive soul. No? But, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, you're
0: Mr. Positive over
1: there. <laughs> well, I, sometimes. But on this one, I, I think that there's a. the question is, will this balance continue? And the other question is, will the Internet remain free, both financially for us and free of the interference of the corporate, uh, you know, machines that run them now? Because Facebook and, and Twitter... And others are now as big as you know. I don't know. They're as big as anything in the world. When you know you can you can uh, look at the, the the how much they're worth. Uh, one wonders sometimes why they're worth that much, but they are worth more than many major old fashioned corporations. So uh, can they stay free and will they? Uh, for the spiritual community, they've been great because uh, you know yoga and kirtan and various forms of, of, of alternative practice spiritual practice have got a lot of real estate on the on the internet so that's good I think to get back to what you were saying though you know you're asking about the rage aspect we've talked about this before it's shocking to me it's still shocking to me how absolutely angry uh, legions of people are on the internet about things that we're all angry about but with no kind of thought that their expressed hatred and rage uh, is hurting themselves probably more than the people they're hating. And that, to me, is a bit of a problem.
0: Mm. Uh, You know, getting really to the focus of what this article is, is really this. Uh, Chayefsky at one time warned against the comicalization of the news. To make a gag of the news is disreputable and extremely destructive. So now, so there's no real news now. It's all completely accented by one, um, in you know, by the fact of mostly the, what's the you know the easiest and fastest way to entertain people, right? Boredom, right? So so that takes precedent almost over everything, and that changed the changes the color. Uh, so he um, he uh, so real news he, she's saying has become so diminished that young people are turning to John Stewart and Stephen Colbert right to learn what was really going on in the world. But of course that's done in a uh, you know in a completely left-handed manner. Um, so interestingly enough, Colbert uh, told um, uh, Itzkoff uh, that Network is his famous uh, his favorite movie so uh although Howard Beale is not an inspiration uh for for him for Colbert, he said that the Beale character anticipated an attitude those types of broadcasters share, meaning you know he and uh Stuart, which is i will uh okay, I will tell you what to think Beale's approach the comic said was more, and he's talking about now these are the people he identifies with that he and he and Stuart are probably in in this uh right in Howard's bag which is um it's he calls it quasi benevolent so it's the attitude is i'm going to remind you now that you're being anesthetized <laughs> right now you're being anesthetized i'm reminding you that the way that this is all being delivered as this kind of pablumish whitewashing or or completely offensive you know focus um is uh you know here's your little pill so that you know you 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 can not feel too bad you know about yourself or anything that's going on in the world so um
1: anyhow well i mean you know some some people would say that we can't actually take in the truth about what's happening in the world at all uh uh, because it's just too huge, and uh, you know, in latter day incarnations in the 19th, 18th, 17th century and backwards, people only knew about the people in their neighbourhood, you know, or in their village. And now we know what's going on in North Korea, and we know if there's something horrible going on in in, in the antipodes of you know in, in New Zealand, and that may not be healthy. Uh, although, uh, in this you know in the in the Saver thing, you know, the, the idea of service it's good to know what's happening that's bad so that you can support the people who are fighting it and i think that that is important um just to say that um our friend Dmitry, uh who responds to mind rolling all the time on facebook is in bulgaria i believe but he's very conscious of the situation in bulgaria and ukraine where there's some really bad stuff going on and he constantly is telling us what's going on and we respond. And, and that seems to be, there doesn't seem to be anything potentially bad about that. But I can't tell you how many people recently have said to me, oh, no, I do not watch television. I just never watch it. I don't watch the news. Mm-hmm. I, I can't take it. I don't want to see it. I well, don't that's another sort
0: of that's another sort of neurotic thing as well. As far as I'm yeah, concerned. it is. Anyone who says I don't ever do that, you know, it's you know, forget that. It's just um, it's the same as being aggressively watching every second or something. Um, I you know what? But you alluded to really what the antidote is here. Uh, antidote related to Paddy Chayefsky and and what he was expressing with Howard through Howard Beale and you know the rage against the machine and how that rage would be so pronounced now i mean it would be you know he'd be out of his mind you know looking but the antidote for all this is what you suggested which is by virtue of that the net is still free right at this yeah. point it is and anybody can say anything or put anything up there you know within a uh, reason uh of course related to youtube's rules uh but uh there that alone counters the level of bullshit that comes through the bigger financed institutions uh, of media so that that alone mitigates some of that because you know although there's a, you know just as much bullshit on the internet it's sort of easier to sift through because there are people doing the right thing and you can tune into them you can follow their blogs you can you know uh, i mean uh, uh It's it's uh, it really is a counter in terms uh, of what we've been talking about here with uh, uh, the rage against uh, this, you know, pablum that's spoon fed into you in a certain way and some very subtle ways. You know, Uh, our friend Duncan would uh, you know, he could go on a great rant about this for sure we should talk to him about this well
1: it is you know it is a conspiracy of sorts because it's a it's you know it's what i would call a military industrial media complex you know that there is a conspiracy in that sense that you know comcast just are buying time warner and um it's uh, from what i've read uh, in various journals it's a terrible thing because there's no antitrust consciousness at all anymore that it's just bigger is better they'll be able to do better They'll be able to make it better. They always say this, it'll be better for the consumer. And then in the Times this morning, there was a thing about, yeah, well, they're going to fire thousands of people to begin with. You know, that's the first better thing. And then, of course, it restricts the outlets to what the shareholders and directors of uh, executives of these companies can be comfortable with. Well, they can be comfortable with, you know, um, uh, gay things, as long as it's not you know, going to annoy people in parts of America where that is not considered to be run-of-the-mill. You know, in other words, uh, what will uh, Comcast do in constituencies where, you know, evangelicals live who think that gay behavior is immoral and against the Bible? I I don't know. Um, We don't know this because our friend Danny pointed out recently that everybody thinks the New York Post, if you live in New York, even if you don't, is the most conservative Newspaper and the trashiest newspaper on earth, and nobody gives it a second thought except people who want to read it. However, Danny reminded me that not thirty, forty years ago, the Post was a radical liberal newspaper, mm-hmm. and everybody took it as being such. And then Rupert Murdoch bought it, and that okay. was the end of that. Goodbye.
0: Yeah, goodbye. There's a reference in this article to mm-hmm. the Murdochization of news. Basically, that that puts it all into a, a nutshell. I, you know what we. I have an anecdote, a a real – we talked about the anecdote, of course, of the freedom of of the net. And podcasters, you know. I mean, podcasts – this – I think podcasting is getting um, much more – not much more, but somewhat more into the mainstream where a lot more people are hip to it or into it and have their favorite, uh, you know, podcasters and so on. And there's a lot of, of course, social, political stuff out there to follow. Uh, so, you know, that that's certainly an anecdote. I have another anecdote.
1: Well, that's an antidote, right? Not an anecdote. I mean, it's, you're, anecdote. Saying, you're saying it's an antidote. It's anecdotal.
0: That, <laughs> it's anecdotal, right? Yeah. right?
1: It's an anecdotal antidote. Yes. Right? Okay.
0: Thank God I've got you, really.
1: <laughs> I don't know about that. Okay. Well,
0: you remind me of my English, Professor.
1: Well, I taught English. I'm very pedantic, extremely pedantic. I hate myself for this, but... <laughs> You know, I can't help it. Uh, um,
0: but it helps in situations like this. An antidote and anecdote, antidote yeah. anecdote. Without yeah. you, um, <laughs> here is the uh, it's 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 anecdotal and it's about an antidote. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's a new word out there that I think we need to be thinking about. Okay. Okay. Uh, and it's a qualia. What? What in the world could you think of what a qualia is? A qualia is going to save us, I think. <laughs> okay? You want to hear what a t- qualia is? It's, Let me just
1: spell it for the people. It's Q-U-A-L-I-A, qualia.
0: Right. Uh, so in our subjective experience, what we experience through our senses, each, t- each chunk of unitary experience, okay, is a qualia, which comes from the Latin word quality, okay? Our five senses are designed to turn the raw data of physics into a living reality, which they do via sight, sound, touch, taste, and smell. There are the, these are the qualia that create the world in here. So here's the example, examples of what a, these are the, you know these really tell you what a qualia is. It's the lush redness of a rose is a qualia, okay as is its luxurious scent. You can just smell that rose. The smoothness of silk, the roughness of beach sand, those are qualia, so it's the unitary experience of feel. And then suddenly you feel what the quality of that thing is. And then it's it's century thing, which nice or it's not so nice. Qualia. So we just got to be dealing with qualia, Dave. OK. From okay. here going forward. Um,
1: <laughs> Go on. I mean, there's more in this article. It's, uh, it's...
0: Um, OK. Uh, the. Th- th- the reason that qualia are so important isn't just because we need the five senses. The only reality we can po- this is all from Deepak by the way, Deepak Chopra and um his friend Rudolf Tanz. And uh the only reality we can possibly know is the qualia interpreted for us by our brains. That is really important, you know, cuz each each one of us is going to interpret it differently, and that's kind of suggests something around consciousness. There is no way to know that reality exists outside qualia okay there's no way to know because we're experiencing you know we're having these unitary experiences of through the senses that form a uh, a vantage point from which we understand what a thing is okay if it is Anything else, we will never know it. Okay, there are, is no way to know that reality exists outside qualia. Oh, here, I'm sorry. Qualia are units of perception, which is what I just said. And reality is a perceptual collage. He's so is is Deepak the greatest in terms of what a mind he has?
1: Yeah, I mean, amazing. And as we both had personal experiences with him, I want to add quickly that he's also, when you're dealing with him on a work level, he's a total gentleman.
0: Tell him, uh, so just, we're going to divert here a little bit, but we'll come back to Qualia, because Qualia is so cool. Uh, it's nice to th- yeah, really. intellectualize yeah. about. It. Um, but, you know, sometimes these things are, really help, and they are anecdotes and anecdotes to, uh, to the rage. <laughs>
1: Um, well, yeah, yeah. I uh, mean, I, I like the idea that, you know, that we participate because quantum theory is about participation, right? The perception uh, has tremendous influence upon the, um, the results of experimentation or, or, or pursuit of knowledge, the perception of the perceiver. And also the fact that, um, you know, normal physics doesn't hold when you go into the micro level. And you can see that, uh, you know, there's all kinds of, of Einsteinian paradoxes involved in reality. But what, this, what Deepak and, and Tanz are saying here is that qualia are rooted in consciousness. And, it's the, and he's, he says that consciousness is a material of creation. So we're all participants. And in fact, the word that, bo, uh, that sort of makes it clear is that it, it's all about consciousness. But up to a certain point, people didn't talk about consciousness. Isaac Newton was not talking about consciousness when he was talking about gravity. Um, It took until Einstein, I think, Raghu, before this more quantum view of the universe, which said that our consciousness is incredibly valuable and that what we do with it changes everything because we're doing it, because we're making a choice within our consciousness. So, um, you know... Consciousness theory and qualia, qualia. I'm sorry, are linked. I think um, you know reality, he says we would infer, is mind made. Then he says this: all the properties that create reality, quantum theory again tells us, are contextual. They depend on the acts of observation. As such, quantum theory has opened the door to a noetic, a mind-based universe. Which, if you take that a little further, says there is unity: that the stars up there and the seas that we travel on and the insects that we see and everything, we are, in fact, one consciousness, and that our way of dealing with it heretofore has too often been separation between us and what we see as the external world, which then will end up in being all kinds of cruelty and lack of sensitivity. Um, You know, that uh, that separation, which is, they're out there and I'm in here. And I'm going to get mine. And if I'm not going to Hunt, I will be hunted. So, those are extreme states, of course. But mm. I think what Deepak is getting at here, as he does in many of his things, is that the unity is not a boring unity. It's not just, oh, okay, there's one thing. Well, what does that mean? That doesn't help me. He's saying more, he's opening the door to a noetic, a mind based universe, which I would then take further and say a heart based universe, right?
0: Which leads me to ask you, which I, I've been waiting to interject because I, you know, we're talking about Deepak and and his, you know, quite brilliant mind, and but I also had other impressions of him uh, before. Uh, now you went and you worked with he and Ramdas, and you filmed this retreat in Maui, and also spent some um, downtime. What? Well, just tell us a little bit. Well, just a few
1: things. things. I, I first met Deepak in 1997. Uh, with Danny Goldberg, and um, he came to us because he wanted to do a record with Michael Jackson and George Harrison, which sounded very exciting. Um, it was too expensive, and we couldn't eventually do it. He did some form of it at some point, but we had a two-and-a-half-hour breakfast somewhere in New York, and it was delightful. Um, eight years later, uh, I saw him in Maui with Ragu and everyone, and uh, no,
0: I was not there. Oh, you weren't there. I'm sorry, no. but but that's why I'm I want to hear the story. We were there,
1: and you know we were going to shoot him, um, film him with Ramdas and alone, and talking about everything. And he had a tremendous respect for Ramdas, which really warmed my heart. But anyway, uh, just before we started doing, it, I thought, wait a minute, I've got to ask him if he doesn't mind being filmed. You know, because you can't just start filming people; it's it's intrusive. Right. So I went up to him and I said, "Excuse me, Doctor Chopra, um, my name." is... And he went. Your name is David Silver, and mm-hmm. I thought, yeah. And I said, "Oh, where did you? How do you know that?" He said, "Come on, David, we had breakfast about seven or eight years ago. Remember that?" Holy jeez! And I was so moved by that because he meets many people and he's very, very celebrated. So, and he said, "We had a great breakfast." He said, "I'm sorry we didn't do the record, but we did have a great breakfast. That was fabulous. Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to film, please do it. Whatever. I'm I'm mm. quite honored to be here with Ronda. That was fantastic. And then uh, about a week later, I had a dinner with him and um, Wayne Dyer and round Us when we swapped, or they mainly swapped anecdotes. And it was remarkable because um, Deepak was so warm and such a human being, for goodness sake. Now, okay, we were with Exalted Company, sort of, but I got the impression that he's like that with people he's with. Mm-hmm. And I just have some, like you say, he's such a great articulator. For our age, you know, um, and we know that he's aware of both sides—neurological uh, and scientific investigation—and Ramana Maharshi and Yogananda, and mm-hmm. Maharaji, and so yeah, on. What a what a valuable person! And yes, he makes a lot of money, but um, you know, he's doing good with it. So, oh that,
0: my, my God! List. You know what? It's made. He has a. I'm reading his new book. You know, new book for him is maybe every few months, but whatever. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he's prolific. What are you going to do? Yeah. It's called God, and yeah. you know, you would think, oh, it's just another toss-off, right? No, it's no. really good, and he tells us the way he tells, you know, these parable stories from the Bible and so on. I mean, it's pretty amazing. Many different um, spiritual figures, and you the mean, oh my God is, we haven't said we said at the very beginning, hi Dave, uh, you know, a, another day, another dollar. But the dollar hasn't come. We need to, uh, to engage our and you, our, our friends and, and all the folks out there to uh, help support uh, what we're doing. And uh, as we mentioned in the last podcast, we have, you know, we have big eyes. Hopefully our stomach can handle it. but um, what it is we want to do is create a podcast network. so we are going to get a whole bunch of, what we call our favorite low-hanging fruit guys and girls, uh, and, uh, and invite them all in and help the, to put out uh, wonderful um, short bits of their uh, experience and uh, humor and wisdom and so on, from the likes of Krishnadas to Sharon Salzberg to, to Jack Kornfield and on and on. We have so many incredible
1: Yeah, and we aspire to high-hanging fruit, too, in the sense of people we don't know, uh, who eventually, for one reason or another, will do this. But Rago very smoothly and rather surreptitiously (laughs) segued from uh, normal talk to commercial. So if you want to get God by Deepak Chopra, get it through our Amazon portal and bookmark the Amazon portal on mindrollingpodcast.com webcast. Go to the webcast. If you're just getting this some other things.
0: No webcast. Uh, no,
1: website, sorry. Oh, website. It's early. Um, yes. Website. Go to the website and uh, go to the portal and bookmark it. So you can just hit it. And when you're buying a book or some candles or, you know, uh, 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 some kind of cooking thing. Frigidaire, uh, perhaps. Whatever it is, we get a small percentage of that. It really helps us. Doesn't doesn't affect your purchase at all. And we would like you to do that. Um, and I, I'm going to get um, snarky now. Um, <laughs> you know. Go ahead. Not, go get it. It's just not happening enough. I mean, you know, it, I, I'm i certain that those of you out there do the Amazon dance. And, you know, before you do it, just be mindful for a second and go, oh, Ragu, oh, David, oh, God, oh, my <laughs> Got to go to the portal and hit the. Portal and buy your thing on Amazon, and also if you get an audible book and you get a free trial for a month, we get money from that too. And those That's are our sponsors funny. right now. So if you can, I still that.
0: have T-shirts. Uh, uh, oh yeah! By the way, beautiful mind rolling T-shirts in in orange and in Tibetan red. Uh, yeah, yeah.
1: So. so when you go to your yoga class in an, a mind rolling T-shirt, someone will say to you, "What is mind rolling?" And then you'll say, "Oh." <laughs> it's, a, it's a Tibet it's actually a very great tibetan lineage um and you should you know you should follow it but our mind drilling podcast is different and that's the end of the commercial
0: all right that was fabulous thank oh, you, you so to, much you and started is, it. yeah i know all right, so let's, i let's move on. To oh, to want to go back to qualia oh you want to go back to oh yeah good. Good. because i you know um no, we just. I love this. There's no way to know that reality exists outside qualia. Qualia are units of perception, and reality is a perceptual collage. That is beautiful. If it is anything else, we will never know it. The inner world also contains thoughts, feelings, images, and sensations. They're qualia as well. There is no difference as far as the visual cortex is concerned between seeing a red rose and imagining it. The qualia of red is present in both, and you can smell it too, you know, in your mind. So that uh, that is so expansive uh, in terms of our... Uh, idea of what the fabric of the universe that quantum physics is actually suggesting what of course the Tibetans have (laughs) known for centuries and centuries and centuries uh it's you know it is uh, it's it's really interesting true reality consists of infinite possibilities that are realized only as we observe them consciousness allows us to do so so and, and he says, quantum physics has opened the door to consciousness. Now it needs to look beyond its boundaries to integrate the central role of consciousness, which is what the Tibetans know. This, you know, and elucidate this in my mind better than anyone, uh, any organized uh, thought process around how to become uh, free of uh, everything that creates us and them i mean which may be the most simplistic and not completely complex enough way to say it but but that is is the truth and they really understand how to break consciousness down and how to uh deal with and how to really understand what the antidotes are to the behavior that we are uh, are involved with on a day-to-day basis the 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 behavior is is so complex and extensive, and uh, and what quantum physics is saying is that consciousness is so is affecting so much more than we can possibly realize because we are so myopic. But qualia, to start to understand how this stuff breaks down, I mean, and that this is, I think, this is really an important thing. Uh, and I think probably, you know, I don't know, Deepak doesn't have the time probably, but if I was to see him, I, I would say, boy, why don't you break this down the way the Tibetans do and create a, uh, create pathways for people to follow to be able to uh, transcend, you know, those things that prevent us from being open-hearted, generous and giving, which leads to uh, I I don't know where are we at in this thing, boy. We've gone on about this, Dave. Well,
1: yeah, because it's such a it's such a fascinating thing. We recommend that you read it. This particular article is in a, a magazine. Um, I guess it's a it's called SF Gate, like as in San Francisco, SF Gate. And this is no, in I think Sunday- it's
0: in the you know it is from it's part of the Chronicle, I believe. Uh, Oh, okay. So I think this SF gate is part of the. Cr- I don't uh, I, see, I get I these. You know, uh, we know where I find lots of this because I have some really great people, friends on Facebook, um, a couple of people, and, uh, you know, more than a couple uh, who connect. Again, here's another antidote to the Patty Chayesky network thing of rage against the machine uh, is, um, you know, here it's right in front of our faces, uh, Facebook. I wouldn't have seen this without Facebook. Okay. Um, uh, right. but right. I do get connected to a lot of great, uh, articles through, through that, uh, portal. And, uh, there's no denying that this, this is, you know, this is such a world of, uh, balance things balancing each other out if especially you know if you, if we can just come from just a little bit of the perspective of of not us and them but more and that's why this whole qualia thing it really shows you that every you know that again your consciousness is affecting way more than you uh, and and the interconnectedness of this of, of us in this world um, I mean, Dave, wouldn't you say that's a great goal yeah, to work I, on that, to, to understand that, to understand yourself so that you, you know, I mean, I think that's a great uh, goal yeah, for anybody.
1: It's where knowledge and morality intersect, you know. It's I what, just wanted to, re- I wanted to read yeah. this, this little thing that he wrote. Uh, it's number eight. And if you look at it uh, on page three of this, Roger, he says, listen to this. His birth is the beginning of a particular qualia program that is, a particular human being. An individual qualia entity emerges into the world with a potential a potential, sorry, in qualia that unfolds as life. From birth, our reality is created by the resonance of shared qualia with others in our species and related species. As such, the perceived universe is in essence an agreement about qualia, an agreement about qualia wow. the universe among qualia humans. Death is the termination of a particular qualia program the qualia return to a state of potential forms within consciousness where they reshuffle and recycle as new living entities hello reincarnation yeah. so he doesn't say that i said hello reincarnation but that's an amazing paragraph because yeah. he's basically saying well you know our life is a qualia it's it's just a bundle mm. of qualia mm. and it's agreed upon with all the people who are living while we're living that we're interacting with or not so The question of, okay, if these qualities are so great, what happens when you die? I can see that when I die, my television doesn't die. Someone else can go and watch that television. My Audi does not die. Someone else can drive my Audi. So where does that put everything? Well, it's very subtle, this stuff, because he's saying, isn't he? Aren't they saying that we are participants in the creation of reality constantly? And that when our particular time on this earth and any particular incarnation ends we go into another agreement with another set of qualia right it really helps it helps until the
0: point at which which is what you know all mystical tradition talks about till the point at which you um are no longer identified with the qualia that are, that uh, you, you are no you're no longer experiencing in duality anything you are mm. part of the one until you get to that point which of course boy you know very very few but it you know obviously it does happen and the idea isn't necessarily and we call that enlightenment the idea isn't necessarily to get to enlightenment. Uh, Of course, you know, and the Buddhists say that is absolutely the goal and we should, you know, and that enlightenment's happening every moment. That's, I think, a different kind of perspective and I'm not really, I don't think we're talking about that. But we are talking about how, like you're just saying, we affect, everything gets affected through these qualia, through our consciousness. And uh, why not purify the part of us that is completely in duality and and so in that duality we are judging you know we are uh, focused on individual differences all of the things that don't allow us to have a unifying base from which to see each other as you know we would say as souls rather right, than as right. the ego um, right. So I think that's a terrific, uh, you know, a s- aspiration that, and we can, why don't we start the Qualia Society?
1: I got, I'm there.
0: And then, you know, as you say, then we are all, quali- we meet each other. Are you a Qualia? Are you? <laughs>
1: we should do this. This is great. But I mean, it has a lot to do with compassion and empathy because, I mean, I was just thinking, I saw this thing on the internet a couple of days ago about this Texan uh, sports you know, commentator on the local news, who's a real Texan and, and very conservative. And he came out about the young man from Missouri State who's come out as gay. Mm. Um, and there, you know, people are saying, oh, well, he won't get a good placement, you know, because, I mean, it, it's going to ruin his NFL career. and everything. This guy came out with a rant about how dare people say that. Mm. How dare people distinguish between this brilliant uh football player, and all the other ones. And he was just virulent and fantastic. And he's got a lot of press about this, too, because he's not the person you would expect. But he said he broke through. He broke through his own prejudices. And whatever he felt about, you know, gay men and women before, it sort of changed when he saw the prejudice against, I, he's called Danny Sam, I guess. Yeah, um, Yep. You know, when he saw that, he was revolted by it and came out with this incredibly powerful rant, uh, a good one, about stop it, just stop this. It doesn't matter. I may not believe in everything this young guy uh, believes in or whatever. I may not be a total proponent of gay marriage, whatever, but I'm going to show him total respect and love him and, and invite him to, mm. to, to be the best he can be at uh, the best NFL uh, franchise he can be at. When I saw this, it meant more to me than sh- shall we say me saying it or someone who's progressive or spiritual. It meant a lot that this guy had broken through and admitted that he'd broken through a very, you know, sort of a, a crust of of prejudice against those that do not behave the same way that he behaves. Mm-hmm. It was very moving, and mm-hmm. I hope this man gets a lot of plaudits for this, it. This, you know. yeah, this That's kid's a qualia. A, it's a qualia.
0: This kid's a basketball player, I thought, not a football player. No, he's a football player. He plays for
1: Missouri State, uh-huh. and, he's, and he's going to be drafted. And they say he would have been second or third mm-hmm. in the NFL draft, you know, but now they're saying, well, maybe he'll be 20th. Mm. They don't know, but then it comes out that most NFL players are totally okay with this, that it's fine. It's a Jackie Robinson experience, you know, Mm. that there may be prejudice, but people are so much more, I mean, let's be positive for a second, people are so much more progressed than they were. When Jackie Robinson came forward and joined Major League Baseball, there was horrible prejudice against him. Just the worst imaginable, brutal, you know, Neanderthal stuff going on. That is not happening with the NFL players right now, and I don't think it's going to all they care about is that the guy can play and so nah, things have changed he's nah. both he's both an african american and gay so yeah no you know. no
0: it's it's you know that thing with the dolphins uh, it's so horrible that uh, that that culture's not just changing I, I i don't see it i honestly don't i mean i you know maybe in many many yeah. years to go but uh, so we have uh in uh. I'm doing a wraparound here uh, related to the fact that uh, we have our qualia and we have our rage against the machine and we have our qualia that is going to be the antidote to antidote to (laughs) the uh, the Murdochization Murdochization of the news and everything else that's associated with uh, you know Making um, as bland vanilla a society as possible to control its outcome, you know, and that takes us into uh, the conspiracies, and uh, and our friend Duncan would go on about that, and but we have Qualia to counter all of that, and I think that that that's a that's an interesting. Thing we just went through here we, we had no idea that it would turn out like this either
1: no we didn't know we we're going to talk about this for about eight minutes yeah and i i i want to continue talking about it because it's it's we really so powerful
0: yeah you know? we found out what qualia are by virtue of doing this so i'm i'm like really pleased that i found something completely new that i'm i'm going to love and we're going to get more into this let's try and see if deepak will come on you know talk about you know yeah let's do that
1: I just wanted to, the very last thing in this, and by the way, this is part three of a four-part thing. We've only seen part three in the SFG, but the last thing he says here, which is really great, he says, two words are the most important. Human universe, it is as alive, intelligent, and conscious as we are, as we are. After centuries of looking out in the cold void of space and feeling isolated, if not terrified, to be an accidental creation, Humanity can look outward and see the universe as our home and rooted in ourselves. I mean, that just enlivens what could be, as he says, a terrifying reality or perceived reality, which is that we're alone, we live, we die, we look at Netflix, we eat cake, uh, we get ill, we die, and we're gone. And out there, the stars just keep going around. And he's saying here, no, no, that's not the state of reality. We don't really know the depth of it, but, you know, uh, the great ascended masters do. We're not going to go there right now, but I sometimes think to myself, the very presence of these great teachers is enough for me to uh, get to these kind of perceptions and to get to, you know, some degree of compassion. But now, scientists of the ilk of um, Deepak and others, many others, uh, are talking about the holographic universe Quantum, you know, quantum physics yeah. yeah and yeah, that 's been going on for a hundred years now, yeah. so you know uh good things are happening um it's just a question of being of seeing them as qualia and yourself as qualia and intermixing qualia with qualia
0: sexy th- name isn't this qualia it could be something else uh that i don 't know suggests something erotic, I would say qualia. <laughs> Okay. Can we do it? We'll do a Qualia part two, part deux. Uh, we'll we'll have to do some research. So and then uh, Ra-
1: Ragu, the master of retreats, will create a retreat called Qualia. Qualia quality and you. I
0: like it. I like it. There you go. All right, Professor. Thank you very much, and uh, everyone out there. Uh, continue uh, you know go to mindrollingpodcast.com and look at uh, you know last week we went Dave's blogs are fantastic you know and uh, we did a whole podcast last week on them and so uh, and then you know make sure that you do we would really appreciate if you if you do bookmark uh, our Amazon portal and you know put it right on on you know in that spot right underneath uh your uh, browser bar and it'll, it'll really help uh so thank you and keep writing and we'll see you next week see you dave yeah
1: yeah you too yeah great